Good morning, Faith Church. Man, it's great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for uh, showing up. We're in our last installment of the Garage Sale series. If you've not been here, basically what we've done is we've just talked about something that most of us here have experienced. Either we have put it out there and participated in selling our junk, or we have driven door to door, gone to garage sales, yard sales, estate sales, and bought someone else's junk. And just kind of taken that thought of garage sales and yard sales and pulled it in and really attached some spiritual principles, some things that we could extract from God's word. Week one, we talked about memories in the attics, the same way that when we dig through our stuff, we find items and they're meaningful to us because we attribute memories. We think about special times and special people when we look at that object. And God did that when he gave us communion, that when we hold just a simple wafer and we hold a cup of juice, we're called to remember Christ's sacrifice for us. And week two, we talked about price tags that you know what, the only person who has a right to attribute value to an item is the manufacturer and the purchaser and that God is our manufacturer and while at times we don't feel valuable and at times this world doesn't tell us we're valuable, ultimately Jesus is our purchaser. He bought us with his precious blood and that makes us absolutely valuable. And so today's the last week in this series. I would uh, just encourage you to make sure you stop and vote. Again, vote with your money just by which project you like the most. And again, if you're interested in purchasing one of these, you can bid online at, at, our, uh, at our Faith Church Facebook page. And uh, whoever wins at 3 o'clock, we can work out later the details of paying and picking it up. So listen, it's great to be here to, uh, today. Um, I just want to jump in. Let me just ask you this question. So at the end of every garage sale, there's this sad little pile of stuff. It's the stuff that nobody wanted. It's the stuff that everybody walked by. Everything else was picked over. And at the end of every sale, there's a little sad pile of stuff that people ultimately look at and say, I can't use it. Think about it. All the good stuff goes. All the valuable stuff goes. But at the end of every sale, we see it. And you see it. As the time winds down, there's this little pile of stuff that people look at and say, I just can't use it. And so where does it go? What do people do with the leftover stuff? We know some people, we talked about it last week, they might get rid of it, put it on the curbs, uh, junk it. But you know, some people, I know they do this. I know some people take that leftover stuff that they decide, ultimately, the other people look at and say they can't use it, and they put it back in storage. And uh, there was a sale, the last city we lived in, it was, um, was kind of like a weekly flea market, like multifaceted yard sale. It was called Roger Sale. It was in a town down the road in Rogers. It was really cool because it was like redneck heaven. Um, redneck heaven was this not only were there all the, like, these people would come and set up all of their junk but you could get any food you wanted on a stick which is redneck like pickle on a stick banana on a stick you know it, just, it was just awesome but they had elephant ears which is why i went got any elephant ear fans you didn't have to wait for the for the carnival or the fair to come back in town you can go get one every week but it was funny because these guys i never forget this one guy he brought the same pile of trash some man some man's treasure same pile of trash every week. And I never forget he brought this motor. He would set it out. It, every week, he still had cobwebs on it. It looked like he just brought it out of a leaky garage, rusted out, cobwebs all over it. No one would buy it. He would load it up. People would walk by it, pick through his stuff. And someone would look at that and say, I just can't use it. Someone would look at that pile of stuff and say, it's just not, just not worthy, just not usable. He would put it in back in his truck and bring it back the next week. Every time I seen him, he had this little motor here started making me think as we end this series, I wonder if God ever walks by us and looks at us and says, I just can't use them. The same way, man, all the good stuff is used, all the valuable stuff is picked over, all of the stuff that has value is purchased, 
There's always a pile that someone looks at and says, I just can't use. I wonder if God ever walks by us and says, I just can't use them. Let me just show you a verse here. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, verse 8, listen to this. Then I heard the Lord asking, read it with me. Whom should I send as the messenger to this people? Read it with me. Who will go for us? Listen to this. So God is looking at each and every one of us, and God is looking for people that he can use. God is looking for individuals that he can send into your workplace, into your school campus, into your community. God is looking for real people that he can use to be influencers in this world. I believe this with all of my heart, that the church is the hope of the world, ultimately through Christ. But the Bible says we're the light of this world, that we work with people and we live with people. And and we're, we're in communities of people who are broken, who are hurting and who are looking for hope. And God is looking for people like you and I that he can send into that world and influence those people and ultimately bring them to Christ. See, this like right here on Sunday mornings, this is not the pinnacle Like, this is the time that we come and we get recharged and we get fired up. This is our weekly huddle that we come together. But the goal of this is not just to pack up our Bible and put it on the top of a shelf till next Sunday. This is the time we get fired up so we can go back into our world and make a difference. But I want you to know, and I believe this, that there are times where God who's looking, again, Isaiah 6, 8, who will go for us? That God is looking for people to send. God is looking for somebody that'll go into this world and make a difference. And the question is, and the question you have to wrestle with, is there ever a time that God will walk by you and say those words that I just can't use them? See, today what I want to talk to, talk to you about is probably one of the things that are scariest in my life, one of the things that brings the most fear, the most concern, the most trouble to me because I've seen it over and over and over again is, is I don't want to be one of those guys that God can't use. Now, let me just talk to you for a minute. This is not a message about God not being able to use imperfect people. If God could only use perfect people, he would have nobody to use because how many people know we're all imperfect? So I want you to know the good news is God can use imperfect and broken people. That is the storyline throughout scripture is God takes jacked up people in jacked up situations and he uses them to change the world they live in. All the way through scripture, we see people like, um, like David, King David. He was a rapist and a murderer. God used him. We see people like Elijah who had suicidal tendencies. God used him. We see Peter who was a Christ denier. We see Paul who was a Christian killer. Do you know God used them all? So this is not a message that God has to have perfect people to use. I want you to know that God uses imperfect people all the time. So while this is not a message about God only needing perfect people to use, this is a message about people who make decisions that destroy their destiny. People who make decisions in the midst of difficult circumstances and compromise the integrity of their faith. Like I see it all the time. Some of you in this room, you've seen it. People like, man, they're walking with God, they're in a relationship with Christ, their spiritual journey's going well, and all of a sudden they start making these crazy decisions and they get further and further and further away from God. We see people, man, who are in love with Jesus, who are in a relationship with Christ. Sometimes they're people we look up to, sometimes it's pastors, sometimes it's just people that we're close to, but we look at them and we say, man, look at them, they're a spiritual giant. And even though they're in a great place, they start to compromise their faith by making incredibly bad decisions. And it puts them in a place that God looks at them and says, 
I just can't use you. I've seen it in my own life just so many times. A friend of mine, when I first went into youth ministry, uh, as, a, as a young pastor, 23 years old, I started the ministry. And, you know, I was looking for people that knew how to do ministry. I, I, you know, I, I just believe this. I think you should find somebody who does what you want to do well and learn from them. I've always been a student. And so, you know, I found some good friends of mine who were just blowing youth ministry up. Friends of mine who had 100, 200, 300 students in their youth ministry and uh, just tried to learn from them and connect from them. And I'll never forget a guy, his name was David, and uh, met him young in ministry, got to spend some time with him at a, at a youth camp. And uh, man, I'll never forget him, man. He was just so charismatic, like kids were drawn to him. And, uh, and he was doing ministry in Cincinnati, which was a tough area. And man, he was blowing it up. And I just thought, man, what? And I just tried to learn from him and grow from him. Out of that camp, we became friends and we chatted on the phone every now and then. And I try to pick his brain. And I'll never forget, like, man, he married this beaut man, this The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Any men here got a good thing? He found a good thing, man, a beautiful bride. She wasn't just beautiful on the outside, beautiful on the inside. She had just as as much of an impact on young ladies as he did students. And so, man, they made this incredible team of ministry. And so I would call him, Dave, what do you think of this? What do you, how are you growing this ministry? He was on campus, uh, in public campus, man. He was able to go eat lunch with the kids and build uh, relationships on, on, uh, in the schools. Man, I just thought, gosh, I wish I could be like him. And I'll never forget the following year, camp came and David wasn't to be found. And I heard the story. He made a decision to engage in a relationship with another woman and that relationship went just from a casual friendship to an emotional affair. You can have those guys, by the way, an emotional affair to one day his wife walked in early from work and found him with this girl in bed together. And here was a guy who was on top of his game that God was using in profound ways to impact students' lives. And because he compromised the integrity of his faith, God looked at him and said, I love you but I can't use you. And some of you in this room, like you're just starting out your spiritual journey and that's okay and you're just trying to figure out some basic answers and that's okay. But if you're in this room and your heartbeat and your desire is God, use me. If you're here today and you're like, I really want to make a difference. I don't want a Sunday morning faith. I want who I am in Christ to impact the world I live in. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand. If you want God to do something radical in your life, wave at me, wave at me. Listen, then this is for you today because I want you to know, listen to me, while God can use imperfect people, there are times in all of our lives and we've seen it where we face circumstances and it is so easy to be overcome by those things that cause us to compromise the Christ we serve, to give up on the faith that we possess that hinders the path that we're on and ultimately causes us to lose the destiny that we're walking towards. In fact, today, again, this is not about losing your salvation What I want to talk to you about today is this, is that when you lose your faith, you lose your future. When you lose your faith, when you compromise your faith, when you make decisions that causes the integrity of your faith to decline, you ultimately give up and lose the future that you hope to have in Christ. So today I just want to just talk about like, how do we avoid it? Because I've seen it. I wish I could tell you that David was the only person that ever happened to. I wish I could tell you that was the only friend of mine that ever fell in ministry. But I could tell you that story again and again and again and again and again. Unfortunately, it's part of the history of this church. Pastors that have committed moral failure. Some of you have been hurt by pastors and hurt by spiritual leaders. Some of you, it's your own story. 
like you're here, but you're here like, you're here like uh, 2.0. Like some of you, like you're in your 2.0 phase. You were rocking and rolling in your walk with God. You were doing great and you fell, but thank God, God restored you in your back. Come on, is anybody here thankful that God always works to bring us back? But think about the season you were in where you were going well the first time and something happened and you struggled and you tripped and you fell and you compromised your faith. So today I want to talk about, listen, I don't want God to pass me by and say I can't use him. I don't want to be the one that goes back in storage. And if you're here today, man, and you want God to use you, I just want to challenge you for a few minutes today as we close this garage sale series with the things you can do to make sure that you're not the one that God passes over and says, I just can't use them. Check this out. First Timothy chapter one, the Bible is written here. This is, it's written by the apostle Paul. He kind of comes alongside of this young pastor. This is, this dude's name is Tim. Tim is the pastor of a young blossoming mega church in the city of Ephesus. Like it's the church. They got the happen. Everything's going on there. And so he needs a mentor. And so he reaches out to Paul. Paul reaches out to him. And the Apostle Paul is writing advice to him, things that he needs to do in his spiritual journey to be successful. And I want you to notice what he says here right in the beginning. Watch this. May they help you, read it, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Everybody say fight well. I, I want you to know this. Listen, first thing he says in some translations, I like it better. He says, he says hey, Timothy, fight the fight. Everybody say that, fight the fight. He's saying, I want you to know something, that you are in a spiritual battle for your life and you better fight. That you're facing things that want to overwhelm you. You're facing circumstances that are difficult. You're facing real spiritual enemies that are a challenge or an obstacle and are a hindrance and want to hold you back. And the first thing, you're going to, the first thing you need to know if you're going to be successful, the first thing you need to know if you're going to really live for God and make a difference is you've got to keep fighting that fight. Let me just talk to you for a minute about some of the spiritual battles that, that you and I that we're in. Some of the spiritual battles that we face. We face a real spiritual enemy. Like, you know him, the, the, the dude in the, the cat in the red pajamas, pointy tail, pitchfork, you know him, the devil. Now, that's how, that's how society paints him. I know even society, there are some people that are way smarter than I am, have four, far more degrees than I have who've written books trying to convince the church that the devil's not real, that he's just kind of the epitome, he's just kind of the, 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 kind of the overall look of what evil is. I want you to know that Jesus taught the devil's real. Jesus taught in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 8, 44, he said he accused a group of people. He said, you're of your father, the devil. So I want you to know, listen, while there are a lot of people smarter than I am who thinks the devil's not real, I'm gonna go with Jesus Anytime a cat can predict his death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm going with him. And, uh, and he said that, listen, the devil is absolutely real. And I want you to know the devil is real. Listen, listen, this is so key. And he's not done with you. And he's fighting you. And he, listen, this is so crazy. There's things that he knows about you. He knows you, listen, he knows you better than your mama knows you. He does. And he, he knows what trips your trigger. He knows what gets your attention. He knows your struggle. And listen, the things that you struggle with, I don't struggle with. And the things that I struggle with, you don't struggle with. He might put a good-looking woman in front of you. He might put a cheeseburger in front of me. Listen, he might put, listen, whatever it is. But he's, 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 he'll do anything he can. Listen, he'll do anything he can 
to compromise us. And listen, I, I'm joking about the cheeseburger, kind of. And <laughs> he's saying, but listen, listen, it's, it's serious. The, the enemy wants to steal your faith. He wants it. He's not happy that you're serving God. He liked it better when you were serving him. And so watch this, what the Bible says. Listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 2, I love this. You used to live in sin. Is that anybody's story? Wave at me. You used to live in sin. Some of you are still there. We're going to get you free. <laughs> Just like the rest of the world, obeying who? Yeah. See, you thought you were obeying you. You thought you were just doing what you wanted to do, but when you weren't serving Christ, you were obeying somebody. The Bible says we were obeying, I was obeying, you were obeying the devil. This is his title, the commander of the power of the unseen world. Notice what it goes on and says, watch this. Read this with me, every voice. He is the spirit at work, where? Say it again, where? In the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So listen, when you came to Jesus, Jesus showed up with eviction papers and kicked the devil out of your heart. He, he wasn't the king of your heart anymore. He wasn't the driver of your train. He wasn't the compass. Of, he wasn't the north of your compass anymore. You wasn't following him. But because Jesus showed up, he set us free from the enemy really trying to overcome us. I'm glad you all are excited about that. If you're not happy about that, we might as well shut it down because it's all downhill from there. I'm just telling you. But watch this again. He is, he is the spirit at work where? In the hearts. Let me just talk to you about another enemy that Paul wanted Timothy and I want you and we need each other to fight against. Not just the devil, we fight against this world. Many times the Bible talks about or uses the word the world. It, it kind of means it in a couple different ones. Number one, it means the world is in planet earth. There's times when the Bible talks about the world and it means humanity, everybody living on the, this, this people planet. But mostly in the New Testament, when the Bible talks about this word, the world, it means this, that this world has a way of living and thinking and doing things. Me first, whatever it takes to get ahead. I'll step on anybody I have to to get up on the ladder. I'll lie, cheat, steal. I'll be greedy. I'll hold on to mine. It's for me and for mine, me first. That's how this world lives. Come on, is anybody with me? But when there's, a, there's an opposite world, there's a different kingdom and it's God's kingdom. And so, listen to me, when you come and you become a Christ follower, we are making the decision to not follow this world anymore, but we are following Christ and doing things his way. But how many people know that even though you make a decision to serve God, the appeal to still do things the way the world does it is there? Come on, somebody. Listen, like, we hear, like, we're valuable how we are till we walk by, and there's a, there's a model wearing a minus two. Do you know there's minus sizes now? I feel bad for women. A minus size. Six-pack ass. I got a six-pack. I got a keg, baby. What? What? And we feel like the pressure to look like them and dress like them and have the success they have. And listen, you can have greater success serving God than this world can ever, ever give you. But we feel the appeal to look like them, talk, and we got to do what they do, and we want to be popular in their circles. And hear me, that's all the trap to pull you back and away from your faith. Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to this. In 1 John, do not love this world. Come on, read this with me. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father. Where? Where? Notice where the enemy is. He, before you came to Christ, he was in you. The love of the world, before you came to Christ, it was in you. 
And I want you to know the fight that Paul is telling Timothy about is he's saying there's stuff trying to get back in your life. And I fight that fight all the time. And if you're honest here today, you fight that fight all the time. And the question is like, if the fight's real, and here's a question I want to ask you, listen, if there's a fight and there is, if we have opponents and we do, here's a question I want to ask you. How long can a fighter stay in the fight if they don't fight back? How long can a fighter stay in the fight if they don't fight back? So Paul says, you got an enemy. He's coming for you. There's a real fight. Ronda Rousey's coming. She's got horns on. Money Mayweather with a pointy tail. He's coming after you. And some of us don't realize we're even in a fight. And so watch this. He goes on. This is the advice that he gives Timothy on how to overcome this fight. Read it with me. Back in 1 Timothy, he says this. Cling to your faith. Everybody say that. Cling to your faith. That means like you hold on to it like knuckles every day, all day, you don't let go. When I was a kid, um, this is just tell you how long ago it was. If I had money, if someone gave me my, I had two grandfathers, one whistled, this is how I remember them. I have more memories than this, but one whistled and one had money in his pocket and would go around and he would jingle his change and give money away. Anybody want to take a stab on who my favorite was? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm one of those. So anyways, he would give me money. This is true. At night, I can still remember this. I would refuse to put the money down. I would sleep with a clenched fist of money. And I'd wake up in the morning. This is way back when they actually made coins of some kind of precious metal. Pennies made out of copper. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have a green hand. But didn't nobody get my money. Like, and I would just hold on to it. I refuse to let go. Listen to me. Faith is not a Sunday morning adventure that you get up and put on and walk into church and kind of sing some songs and play the game and put some money in play and go home and pack it up to next Sunday. Faith is something that we live with, are guided by, are directed with. It's everything we go into our schools with and into our work with, into our community. It's the thing that guides us and makes us and molds us. It's our foundation. It's our guard. It's our covering. Our faith is everything, everywhere, all the time. He's saying, listen to me, you got to hold on to your faith. Cling to your faith. This is how you're going to overcome. Listen, I I don't want God to walk by me and say, he can't use me. I don't want God to walk by you and say, I can't use you. So he says, you want that that not to happen? Cling to your faith in Christ. And watch this. I love this. Everyone read this with me. And keep your conscience. I I wish they wouldn't have just put that in. Doesn't that look better just right there? Because that's the world we live in. Don't get mad at me if I'm talking about you. We live in a world right now where people are like, well, I love Jesus. I go to church. I read my Bible. But is your conscience clear? Your conscience clear means that the little Jiminy Cricket on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit that's there, It's trying to say, don't do that. That's wrong. That doesn't honor God. And you just do it anyways, because right now grace is everything. And it's okay. God will forgive me. God will forgive me. God will forgive me. He says this. He says, listen, cling to your faith, but that's not enough. You got to cling to your faith and keep your conscience clear. Make intentional, consistent decisions to do the right thing. Now, everybody messes up. I'm the bigger messer upper in the house. 
And I wish I could tell you that sometimes it's not intentional, but, but it is. And that's when I'm violating my kind. But he's not talking about people that look back and say that was a bad decision. He's not even talking about people that are like in the middle of it saying I shouldn't have done this. He's saying people that kind of look at a decision and say that's a bad decision. I know God's not happy with that, but I'm going to do it anyways. Watch what he keeps saying. Watch. For some people, now I'm not talking about you, anybody here. We're t- this is the Baptist church down the road. That's who this is talking about. If you're Baptist, we're talking about the Methodist church the other direction. For some people have deliberately, read it with me, violated their consciences. The word violated here means they've rejected it. Their conscience is screaming, don't do it. Don't run. And they ignored it. Listen, this is nobody here. But like this is, these are stories I hear. These are real stories. And I know no one here would ever do anything like this, but, you know, I talked to this, this guy, and he's, he's married, beautiful, beautiful wife, beautiful family, little kids, and, you know, they got it going on, and, but he found another woman. And uh, even though he made a covenant before God to his wife that he'd be married to her to the very end, he found another woman. And, and here's, here's where he's okay because he has faith. He, he, he looked at me and he said, but he said, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but God's going to forgive me. Now, this is not a question of God's grace or mercy because the Bible says that his mercy endures forever. It's new every day. So this is not a question of God and who he is. This is a question of us. And the Bible says, listen to me, the people who degrade their faith and put themselves in a place that God can't use them. It's not just people who don't have faith. We have faith. It's people in spite of the faith they have that makes decisions consciously and consistently in the opposite direction of what they believe. And as a result, read it with me. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Now, shipwrecked, let me just talk about this for a minute because this is what I, this, these are the things I want to I help you with today. If you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, I'm tracking with you. Like, I love God. I really want God to use my life. I really want, I want to be somebody. When God says, who can I send? I want to raise my hand and say, God, use me. I want to, you can use me on my college campus. You can use me in my profession. God, use me. If you're here and that's you, but you're honest enough to say you're in a fight and kind of, you know, some pretty young thing came up on you or you, you met somebody on Facebook or you have, an, you have an opportunity to cheat in your business or your system and you're tempted to violate your conscience, the Apostle Paul says, this is what your life is like when you do that. It's like a ship sailing to a beautiful destination because your faith determines your future. And you're just a beautiful ship, the love boat, where we're expecting you. And all of a sudden you get off course, you violate your conscience and you get shipwrecked. You know what a shipwreck is? Here's what a shipwreck is. A shipwreck is when the integrity of a boat is breached and water gets in and it starts to sink. And I want you to know something here today. Boats are intended to be in the water, but not the water in it. And as long as the water that it's in doesn't get in it, the water's go- or the boat's golden. But as soon as the boat that's in the water has the water get in it, it starts to sink. And I want you to know something. We live in a broken world. We live in a world full of sin and temptation. We can live in this world just as long as it doesn't get in us. 
And as soon as what you're in starts to get in you, you're going to start to sink. And if you're in a broken family and it's bitter and unforgiveness and you're in that, that's okay. But if it gets in you, you're going to start to sink. And if anger gets in you, you're going to start to sink. And if doubt gets in you, you're going to start to sink. And if all the temptations and everything the enemy is trying to do to get in you gets in you, you're going to start to sink. As long as you don't let it get in you, you're good. Listen, people who work for the CDC, they can work with the most deadly diseases in the world. But as long as they got a hazmat suit on, they're good. They can be in that environment and they're healthy. But if that hazmat suit is breached and the environment they're in gets in them, they're dead. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, you're good. You're good as long as that stuff you're in doesn't get in you. And so I, I started just Googling because I don't really know a lot about boats. I thought, let's, let's figure out what to do if your boat starts sinking. So uh, courtesy of e-surance today is where the rest of my message comes from. <laughs> don't laugh. I'm, I'm for real. I was looking around. And I was like, what do you do if your boat starts sinking? Esurance.com had this article. They listed seven things. I don't like one, so I tossed it out. I wrote them an article. Hopefully, they'll remove it from their website. Six things. If you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, I love God. I want God to use me, but I'm in a fight. I'm afraid I'm already doing or I'm about to violate my conscience and shipwreck my faith. What do I do? Here's six things. I like them. I think you'll like them too. Number one, read it with me. Get a life jacket. You know what somebody who wears a life jacket says? They're not about to give up and drown. My ship may be sinking, but I refuse to drown. They got, they're, they're doubling their efforts to live. We went, we went yesterday with some friends of ours, had the privilege of being invited out on the river. And, uh, you know, we're out there doing our thing. And, um, you know, when you pull people, <laughs> I love the river down here. You pull kids on a, on a, with a boat doing 60 miles an hour on a little piece of rubber out there on a rope. And then you intentionally fling them off. That's child abuse. I don't care where you're from. That's child abuse. <laughs> and when the person driving the boat says, watch this, I'm just telling you, someone ought to call children's services. And then they get back on and you do it again. That's, it's awesome. I mean, I laugh, but I'm just saying. So my son, it's his turn. And, and he's, you know, they're like, well, you ready? He goes to get on. And it, someone says, well, you need a life jacket. My son's like, I don't need a life jacket. I'm strong. And I'm like, in your dents too, you're going to sink. Get a life jacket on. <laughs> so he goes and he gets, he gets a life jacket on. And he gets thrown off a couple times. He, this is true right after. Man, these waves just came, huge waves. And I thought, man, if he didn't have that life jacket on, he would be in trouble. Listen, if your boat is sinking, if your life of faith, you've made decisions, you're about to make decisions, and you're in a bad spot, listen to me, don't give up. Double down your determination to hang on to your faith. Number two, make a distress call. That means you're not in the fight alone, call for backups. Call reserves. Call your homeboys. Get somebody on your side. Ultimately, there's somebody that we can call out to who the Bible says he never sleeps and he never slumbers. You ain't got to worry about it whether it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 2 o'clock in the morning. There is somebody who will get your call, who will hear you, and who will answer you. There is a God in heaven who hears the prayers of the righteous, who bends his ears towards his children. And not just when we say, Jesus, we love you, when all we can say is, help! He's like, I got you. David says this, David says in the book of Psalms, he says this, listen to this. Psalm 69 verse one, he says, save me, O God, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Does that sound like a guy who's doing well? He was struggling. 
He was sinking and he was drowning. He said, the only way I'm going to pull out of this is I can't fight this fight alone. I'm going to call for help. And the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Number three, number three, find the leak. Like this, we don't really need to go over this. Pinpoint the problem. What's the thing? What's the area in your life that's causing you to compromise your conscience? Find it, pinpoint it. Number four, pump the water out. If your boat's sinking, you've got to get the water out. Remember, remember we, we read these verses. The enemy, he was in your heart. That's where he wants to get. The world, he said, listen, if you love the world, if it gets in, then the love of the Father's not in you. If that stuff gets in you, you've got to get it out. And the way we do that in, 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 our, in our walk, in our spiritual journey, is through this thing called repentance. We can't get that stuff out alone. But when we repent, when we turn to the Father... He comes and he takes those things out of us. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, the spirit has anointed me. One of the reasons he said this, I've come to bind up broken hearts. Come to find people who are broken and hurting and fix them. If you're here, man, and you're sinking in your faith in doubt and despair and trouble and sin, there's somebody who can make you whole. Number five, as we get ready to close, beach the boat. I love it. If all else fails, put that baby on the rock. You know, Jesus, the Bible says he's our rock. Like if you're out and if you're in a circumstance here, I mean, if you're in like a situation, like it's just, you have no control. Get on the rock. And number six, as we close, stay with the boat. I started thinking about that and I thought, if your boat's sinking, like we always hear this on TV, abandon ship professional will say you stay with your boat because here's why it's better to be on a boat that's sinking than in no boat at all and I see people all the time and maybe this is you who man you start going through a tough time start making bad decisions and instead of hanging on instead of clinging to their faith man they abandon ship and they quit coming to church quit reading their bible quit pursuing God here's what I want to tell you listen that's the time you need to do everything. Hang on the way. You may not have the, the strongest faith. You may not have the greatest faith. You may be in a situation today because of your marriage or because of the reports you got from a doctor or just because of temptation in your life that you feel like you're sinking. And you're compromising your walk with God and you're giving up. He's saying, listen, hang on. My greatest fear is for God to ever look at me and say, Steve, I love you. You're still my son, but I can't use you. And some of you in this room are putting yourself in the place. It's not that God will stop loving you. It's not that you'll stop being God's kid. But your father will look at you and say, I just can't use you right now. And my prayer for you today, my prayer for me, is that God will help us to keep fighting a good fight. That we don't lose the faith that's holding us together and ultimately lose our future that Christ has us walking towards. This is not about full-time ministry. This is about anybody in this room. God has something great for you. The enemy wants with all his might to take it from you, to sink your ship, for you to abandon your faith. And we got to keep fighting. We pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you today, God, just for the challenge.
And Lord, I pray all over this room that God, people would just be, man, reminded of where they are in their journey. That God, there's some people in this room, they've already been consciously violating their their conscience. They've been consistent in ignoring and rejecting that still small voice. And they've, they've okayed it by saying, but I still go to church. Jesus will forgive me. I pray all over this room, if you're in this place, man, and you've been violating your conscience, that right now the Lord would come and would tap you on the shoulder, would call you out, that you could surrender to him. The enemy doesn't want your moment. He wants your destiny. He doesn't want just the day you're in. He wants your eternity. And if you're here today, man, and you're struggling and you're sinking, and you need help. I want you just to lift a hand. I want to pray for you. All over this room, man, if you're struggling in your faith, lift a hand real high, real high, real high, real high. Come on. Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me, man. I'm struggling. I'm sinking. All over this room. Father, I pray for every hand that's been raised. God, I pray not in their own strength, but Father, they would sense today the help of the Holy Spirit. I pray they would really sense the strength of God coming into their fight. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that you'll not give up. You'll not abandon the fight. You'll not abandon your faith. But I pray as you push through and you plow through and you fight that fight, that you're gonna overcome. And Father, I thank you that Jesus, you never give up on us. Lord, help us to never give up on you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today? Listen, guys, thanks so much for being here. Do us a favor. If you're a first-time guest, please stop by our connect room. If you need prayer, our prayer and care room is out there for you. Go ahead and vote with your cash, man. Cash, coin, check, whatever you want to drop in. Let us know what you think is your favorite project. Again, we're going to put that money towards that family. We'll see you guys next week for a brand-new series entitled Mango. God bless you.